This week on the Small Church Media Podcast, we are talking about VBS pre-registration. With it being summertime, VBSs are starting to pop up all over the place, and I'm sure you are preparing for your VBS as well. And the easiest way to get people to pre-register to speed up that registration time is to do it all online. So today, we're going to talk about an easy and free way, and not just one, but four different free, easy ways to do your VBS pre-registration all online. You ready to talk about it? Let's get it. This is the Small Church Media Podcast with Mark Hyde. Well, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Small Church Media Podcast. I hope you are enjoying your summer. For my kids, they have officially been out of school for a little over a week. So if you hear any random pounds or screams or anything like that, it's just the fact of they are out of school and enjoying summer vacation. And with summer vacation comes the annual vacation Bible school. And if your church is like my church, VBS is one of the biggest all hands on deck events that the church pulled off every single year. It was the event that all of us kids looked forward to, and I'm sure your kids are looking forward to as well. And we're going to talk about how to make sure pre registration for you and your church is in a place where your parents, they want to fill it out. Visitors can easily fill out, easily get connected, and also make your administrative work as painless as possible. But before we get into that conversation, I got a really, 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 wow, I had a little bit of a stutter there. (laughs) A really quick plug for the official sponsor for the Small Church Media Podcast. And this episode of the Small Church Media Podcast is sponsored by our friends, Worship Tools. Now, here's why I love Worship Tools, okay? We had a conversation with them. Uh, now it's been over a month and a half ago with Adam Adam Mayer, the founder, the creator, the man with the plan behind Worship Tools. And him and his team, they create simple, powerful, and free worship apps for your church. They have created software tools designed to equip your worship team and enhance your congregation's worship experience. From church presentation software to service planning and volunteer scheduling and management, Worship Tools has free software to help you do this. And this is what I love about them. There's no trial. There's no gimmick. There's no Netflix style where they get you in free. Then they charge you cheap and then they charge you a lot. It's completely free. It's always going to be completely free. But if you feel like you want to take that next step in any of the various, uh, not departments, but in any of the the perks that Worship Tools offers, then you are able to pay for, for, you know, motion backgrounds or free graphics or for, you know, tech software inside of the software. That's all behind paid walls. But the primary core of their software is all completely free. So head over to smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools to learn more. Again, that's smallchurch.media, our website, forward slash worship tools to learn more. One more housekeeping order of business that we got to do is if you are a listener over on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you left me a rating and review over there. If you listen on Spotify, give me a rating and let me know when you do that. And I would love to send you a free coffee gift card. I just read a review last week and I want to keep reading more reviews. So leave me reviews when you can. Send me emails, connect with me. I would love to connect with you because here's the deal with podcasters, all right? There's a little secret to the podcast world. 
We know that we got people listening because we have stats. And I say we as in all podcasters across the nation and the world. We see our stats and we know there's people listening out there, but it's always, always encouraging for us as podcasters to be connected with our actual listening audience. So if you are part of this listening audience here on the Small Church Media Podcast, I would love to connect with you. Send me an email at hello at smallchurch.media just to introduce yourself. Maybe if you have a question for the show, I would love to answer it. But that's the easiest, easiest way to get connected with me is hello at smallchurch.media. Well, it's been about five minutes, so I think we should get into this conversation. And I've already set this up so many times this episode, but VBS literally is right around the corner. For some churches, they do VBS as quick as possible at the beginning of summer. My church was is always known, it's been doing this for, I don't know, probably the last 20 years of the very last full week in July. And that is when our VBS takes place, and which is interesting because this year they bumped it up a year for the first time in history, which is very fascinating. But no matter when your church has their vacation Bible school, registration and pre-registration is probably the thing that we spend the most time trying to figure out how can we get people to register for our VBS so that way we can speed up our our registration time on the registration day because no one wants to show up to a VBS and stand in a long line with their screaming kids and fill out all this paperwork. So what can we do to speed up that process? How can we have all of this information collected and stored online for follow-up? And then last and certainly not least, it gives us a great marketing opportunity where if people find our VBS, they can share our link with their friends, their coworkers, people in their neighborhoods and their community. So that way more people can learn about the Vacation Bible School. So today we're going to talk about an easy free way to do your VBS pre-registration for an easy pre-event management. So that way when you step into VBS, you hopefully you could have up to 90% of your kids and families pre-registered for your VBS. So I actually have four methods that we're going to talk about today on this show really quickly. And all four of these methods are methods that either I personally have used or our church has used. So we've used all four of these methods between VBS, between student ministry, between adult ministry, church in general. And then at the very end, I'll tell you what we have found that works out best for us. So method one, which is the, this is actually the way we used to do it probably for the first couple years that I was on staff at Southside was we use an online event registration software. And my favorite one was Eventbrite. Event and then not B-R-I, you know, like like a light bulb, but B-R-I-T-E. So Eventbrite. We used Eventbrite for the first couple of years because they just had such an intuitive check-in process that in, in my opinion was second to none. And again, we're talking, this was like eight years ago when we first started using Eventbrite. And the reason why Eventbrite took off is because you were able to create these really beautiful registration forms. They had a way where if people could just pop onto eventbrite.com, search for different events in people's communities, and those would just pop up. You could also take money. So that way, like for us, if we were doing a sports camp and we needed a registration cost, we could collect all the money right there online using the credit card and it wasn't powered by us, but it was powered by a, a third company that had all the security measures in place. So we did not even need to worry about it. And Eventbrite right now is still the top dog when it comes to your personal community event registration process. So if you want to go to eventbrite.com, that is the best place to start if you have no idea where to start for that. And for each one of these, I'm going to say there's, there's perks to each one. I wouldn't call them pros. I would just say perks, each one of these all have pretty much have the same 
pros, but each one has a different perk. And then there's a con that goes with each one of these methods. So here's the perks that go along with using a, a software online like Eventbrite. The biggest one is online searchability for other people to find it online and then more exposure on their website. Like I said, if someone's looking for uh, vacation Bible schools near them and they do it on Eventbrite, every single VBS is going to pop up on their screen. So even if you have your own check-in method, this might be just another option that you have to get more exposure just for completely free. What I also love is it creates a one-stop shop for all of your registration and information needs. And if you charge anything, like I said, you can take payments right there, just right there built into the software. The other thing that I really liked is it was extremely easy to design. It was, I mean, it's plug and play. You upload your graphic, you put in there what information you need to collect from everyone, and they make it look pretty for you. So you're not wasting your time designing anything or making sure all the things match. They literally just say, here's your picture, here's your colors, boom, here's your link. And the thing that I love the most was they were, they totally powered by one of the most trusted companies out there for event registrations. Eventbrite, they, they seriously power some of the biggest concerts and festivals here in our area and other areas as well. So you can trust that if they're going to be able to handle thousands and thousands of registrations and thousands of dollars, they can handle your VBS registration. But here's the cons with using something like Eventbrite, right? All right, so there's not a lot of flexibility with how you want the forms to look and the information that you receive from that. With Eventbrite, if you just do the free version, you can't really have a lot of flexibility on, okay, well, we want to add this form and that form and, and do some what's called conditional logic, where if they check this button, more forms appear and more things happen. You don't have a lot of flexibility on that because just like many other softwares, you pay to use their playground. So if you want to have a whole custom look, Eventbrite might not be the best spot, but also I'm like, why would you want a custom, <laughs> custom look? Um, another con that they have, and I think they've recently changed this, but previously with Eventbrite, and I couldn't quite find the answer online, just on their website. We used to have to pay to export it into an Excel document. We paid like, I think it was 10 bucks to export all of the information, which for us, we were like 10 bucks for a time saver. Yes, please. But so the exporting options is not always the simplest with softwares like this, because generally if they're giving you the registration for free, they need to make money somewhere. So generally, they'll nickel and dime you in these various different areas. And last but not least is you can't always directly embed the registration form right on your website. So if you have like, you know, your church's domain forward slash VBS, you would need to put a button on that page that then redirects people to the Eventbrite page, which honestly, most people expect nowadays. So it's not a big con. It's not a terrible thing, but I at least Got to let you know about that one. So method one to collect the pre-registration for your vacation Bible school is to use an online event registration software like Eventbrite. Number two, method number two is just use a contact form from your website builder that is powered by your website. If you're using WordPress or Weebly or Squarespace or Wix or, um, I mean, shoot, it doesn't really matter. I can say a whole lot more of these. Webflow is another one, but who doesn't matter. Whoever powers your website, I can guarantee you have some sort of a contact form on your website. You can use contact forms to collect people's registrations on their website. And our church actually did this for a little bit, where based on how many kids that the people wanted to have, like one kid, two kid, three kid, four kid, we had a different actual form that would get redirected 
to what people needed to register. Or if you just want to make it simple, we did this as well, where you literally just put in parents' name, parents' address, parents' phone number, and then a big block. And basically, you just say, tell us your kid's name, grade, birthday, and any allergies right there in that box. So you could quickly just fill out all the information. Because again, this is just to collect people's information. And the thing that I love about just using the contact form on your website is it just, it's easy, it makes sense, and it's all just powered by your website and you can instantly put it on your VBS page. But here's the cons with using just a contact form on your website, all right? Your export abilities are generally very, very limited. The ability to export as a PDF or what's called a CSV file, which is basically a generic version of an Excel document, you might not always have the abilities to do that. And then when you also are putting your trust in your own website, you got to make sure that if something fails, that A, you're notified about it, but B, you also know how to fix it. There's not a lot of, oh goodness, there's not a lot of failures when it comes to your, your contact form. But if anything happens on your webpage where it goes down or for some reason you're not receiving any of those inputs, you could be tough out of luck when it comes to those. And based on how your website was built, you might not have a way to store all of that information on the back end of your website. So just keep that in mind. But it's, again, a very, very easy, simple way where you could just put parents' name, maybe a checkbox of are you a member or not, have one big what they call a text area or a paragraph box and just say list your kids' names, ages, birthdays, allergies, you know, anything we need to know about them. So that way it's quick, it's easy, it's painless, and it's already built into your website. You don't need to do a whole lot more information. Method number three is use a Google form. You know, Google literally is king when it comes to online things, and it's powered by Google, so you know it's going to be trusted, and you know people recognize it. And let's just be honest, we use Google Forms all this thinking time, especially the kids. And in high school and in colleges, so many schools and universities are powered by Google Classrooms anyway. So using a Google Form is a very commonplace thing in today's culture. And when you use something powered by Google, you know it all just works and all just syncs. So the really cool thing with Google Forms, though, is when people put in all their information, you're able to export it as a Google Sheets document, which then you can share to whomever you need to have. So like on a church website, you would have to export it, download it, and email it. But any single, or any single time, <laughs> anytime someone puts in more information, your data is instantly obsolete. However, this is what I love about using Google is it's all cloud-based. So if you email someone a link or you know your admin assistant or maybe a volunteer creating your name tags, it's all cloud-based for everything. So it's always up to date. You always have the right information at your fingertips. And honestly, it just works. And here's what I also like about Google Forms, okay? Google Forms lets you do something called, now this is advanced, called conditional logic, all right? Here's what conditional logic is, all right? So when you're on some sort of website and you're filling out a contact form, they might ask you a question. In today's day, you can say, okay, how many kids do you have? I have seven. Ain't nobody got that many kids. So let's just do, you have uh, you know, four different options for it. You want to register one kid, two kids, three kids, four kids, right? If you click three kids, the conditional logic will activate new things to just appear on their screen to fill out more information for the three kids that they're registering for. If they click two kids, it will only have two blanks for the kids to fill in. That way, parents aren't sitting there going, I only have one kid, but I have to go through all these different screens and skip all of them and this, that, and the other. Google lets you do a lot of advanced conditional logic, which makes it actually easier and more user-friendly for people that are actually registering for it. 
But the thing about it is it takes more advanced time. It makes more advanced work. You don't have to do it. Honestly, you could literally just say, you know, we re- like, you know, you require just the one kid and you can say, hey, fill out all the other information based on if you have that many kids or not. If not, just go to the bottom and click submit. But here's the deal. Here's the cons with Google Forms, all right? So with Google Forms, it's not always the cleanest look. Let's just be honest, it's not always the prettiest. And Google Forms actually can be more difficult for you to set up, export, and make sure all the dots connect properly than the other methods. With the contact form, you literally just put in the blanks that you want and you're good to go. With Google Forms, sometimes it can actually be a little bit more of a headache for you to actually fill in based on what you are trying to do with that. And I got to make sure I say this just because of GDPR compliance with over up in Canada, over in Europe, now California, Connecticut's another state. Uh, There's a couple other states that are starting to um, put in these laws in their states where you are not allowed to, you know, track people's stuff or track people's IP addresses and information across all these different websites because that's people's private information. And when you use Google, you're guaranteed going to start farming people's information. So if you are very concerned about making sure the Google stays out of your church, don't use Google Forms. Or if you're very concerned about privacy laws and if people pop on a Google, they're like, oh, I don't really like Google. I don't trust Google. I don't want to do this. It's just something I got to say. Is it really that big of a deal? In my opinion, no, because people are used to it. And let's just be honest, most people have Gmails anyways. But you can use Google Forms to power all of your stuff for your VBS. And what I love about Google Forms, more than using it on your own, a contact form on your website or using Eventbrite is everything is cloud-based. There's no... um What's what I'm looking for? There's no expiration of your information. It's just there hanging out in the cloud for you. The last method and the fourth method is simply just use your church management software. You know, here's the deal with your church management software. If you're using a cloud-based church management software, such as Planning Center or Church Community Builder, which is what our church used, or Breeze or Church Windows or I think uh, Flock Keeper or Shepherd Keeper from Faith Life. There's so many different church management softwares out there. But the thing that I love about church management software specifically is that it lets you store all this information inside of your church database to use for future marketing purposes, for contact purposes, for follow-up purposes. And the best thing about when you use your own church management software for your church's VBS is all the information from what people filled in is now stored inside of your church management software for further follow-up after VBS. Another perk of using your church management software is it actually forces people to use it. Because that's probably been the biggest struggle I have heard is, you know, churches will spend thousands of dollars in church management softwares and apps and all these different things. And they'll say, hey, Mark, we can't get our people to use it. We can't get people to sign up or to interact with it or anything like that. How do we do it? This is a great way for people to get used to using your church management software is use it for event registrations. At our church, we did this for the student ministry. When you signed up for an event from the student ministry, you always were redirected to our church management software. And we told parents, if you are signed in and logged into the church management software, literally it takes a split second for you to register because all your information is already there. But it just helps people get used to seeing your church management software and also interacting with it. And there's the deal. This is what your church management software is actually built for, is to collect people's information like this. Now, there are some cons, though, with using your church management software. And based on the quality of your church management software, it might not have great abilities with creating forms, with exporting the forms, with having the conditional logic, with having just 
user inter- user abilities. Maybe you don't use a cloud-based. Maybe you use the old software-based on some old computer that's just chilling in your church so you can't access your data quickly at all. You know, you got to make sure you got the right church management software in place. But if you do, there's honestly zero cons to using your church management software. In fact, I recommend this is the option that you choose. You know, Eventbrite is really great because it gives you that extra search functionality for people in your community. So sure, maybe you have an Eventbrite just to back it up, but you don't need to use a contact form on your website. You don't need to use a Google form if you already have a church management software in place. And this is what our church did for years. And I, again, I've used all of these methods before, and I always come back to using the church management software. And here's the solution that we do as a, or did as a church when I was on staff. And I want to encourage you to do this as well. So here's the steps that we did. And I want to encourage you to do this as well. So based on what church management software you have, this is all going to be completely different. Okay. We use church community builder, to be honest with you. I don't really recommend you using Church Community Builder. If you already are using Church Community Builder, there are some amazing features and amazing things that you can use inside of that software. So if you use Church Community Builder, you might know exactly what I'm saying. If not, you just have to translate this to based on the church management software that you use. But here's how we did it, all right? So on our website, not the church management software, on our website, we have all the information for VBS listed right there, including the details, the times, pictures, videos, uh, FAQ, all the different things that a parent would need to know about VBS was right there on the church website. And then in our C, our, our church management software, we did this once upon a time uh, because they didn't have you know conditional logic, but we actually created different forms for each kid and then connected them all on the back end. If you had one kid, two kids, three kids, or four kids, so that way it just kept it all clean. But the easiest way is just literally have one form, and then you can have as many kids listed there as you want to figure out what it works best for your church, okay? But here's the deal, all right? If someone was a member of our church or if not a member of our church or a member of a different church, they would check certain boxes. And the cool thing was uh, Church Community Builder was based on the answer that they gave us, I could then redirect them to a different group. So if they were already a member of our church, cool, they just stayed in the VBS, uh, it's this year, let's just say VBS 2022 group, right? If they checked, we hey, we're a member of a different church, same thing. They just stay inside the VBS group. But if they were not a member anywhere or if they did not attend anywhere, we could stick them literally automatically into a different group inside of our church management software, such as uh, Unchurched VBS Follow-Up 2022. And therefore, and I don't say therefore, but and then what we're able to do with that information is to reach them in different ways where if they're already members of a church, we don't want to steal those people. They're already part of a church. We're looking for people because let's be honest, we don't need church shoppers. We don't need church hoppers. There's a lot of people out there who just need to hear about Jesus, but we can put them into a group and then use that information to connect and follow up with them in a way that's different than everybody else. But at the end of the day, we still have this one big group of listings of names inside of our VBS 2022 church management software. And then we are now able to use that for a wanna follow-up. We're able to use that for next year VBS follow-up. If we have a day camp that we're trying to pull off, we could also use that information as well. You can collect as much information from people as you want and then stick them in the appropriate group so you can then effectively and efficiently use your church management software to follow up with them. And that's what I want to encourage you to do, all right? It takes a lot of time, to be honest with you, a lot of brain space to set this up. But when you set up your church management software correctly and you just learn how to do it, now, yes, Church Community Builder 
let me do a lot of things automated. You might have to do things more by hand, but based on what people give you for the information, you then can put them into the right groups to follow up with them correctly. If they maybe they check a button where it's like, you know, we're we we don't do Jesus at all. Cool. Maybe you can send them an email about who Jesus is. Maybe now you can send them a text message. Now you as a pastor have an actual name of someone who's already stepped foot on your premises. They've already stepped foot inside your building. They already trusted you with their kids. They guarantee will like they 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 guarantee are more receptive to you reaching out to them. VBS isn't just a way for us to reach the kids, but VBS is the way to reach the family. So set up your church management software correctly, and I can guarantee you'll see more um, more reward for your labor. There's already low-hanging fruit. Just go after it. But here's the deal. No matter what method you choose, you need to make sure that it works for the people that are actually registering, all right? Because you can build this beautiful, elaborate process and form, but if parents don't like using it to fill it in, they're not going to trust you the next time you also tell them to go online and register for whatever event you have going on. Because if, if it's a disaster the first time, they're not going to trust you for the second time. But at the end of the day, if you use any one of these four methods, and again, there's not a wrong one to use. I just want to encourage you to double down on your church management software, but use one of these four methods to, co- to collect as much information from people who are coming to your VBS so that way you can appropriately and efficiently follow up with them, You know, obviously at a future time, but it also will save you time, headache, and stress when it comes time to actually pulling off your event. Because if you, more people you get to pre-register, your pre-event management will be so much smoother. You'll impress so many more people. And that's one thing that our church was known for. We put on a great VBS, but we got you checked in and signed in quickly, efficiently, and people actually noticed. So I want to encourage you to do that as well. Well, just like always, guys, it was an absolute pleasure hanging out with you this week here on the Small Church Media Podcast. Again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify people, leave that rating review, leave a rating wherever you are at. And here's the deal, all right? If you made it this part of the episode, I created a new webpage over on the Small Church Media Podcast called Small Church Media forward slash help. What I want you to do over there is let me know what are ways that I could better help you as a small church. On that page, again, smallchurch.media forward slash help, there's a contact form listed right there that lets you let me know, hey, how have you interacted with our website? What type of stuff would you like to see coming out of the Small Church Media Podcast or just Small Church Media in general? And what are some ideas that you have to help make this community even better? So head over to smallchurch.media forward slash help to leave me your feedback if you're a listener here on the show. And again, if you want to learn more about worship tools and what Adam Mayer is doing, Adam Mayer, that's like John Mayer, Adam Meyer is doing over there, go to smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools to learn more about that. And if you're like, Mark, I can't remember those URLs. I'm driving right now. Just go to the show notes wherever you are listening or just on the website, smallchurch.media and go to this specific episode's webpage and all the links will be right there in the description. But just like always, it was an absolute pleasure hanging out with you guys this week. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys come back next Tuesday for more content all around how we as small churches can help our congregations grow their faith and reach more people for Jesus. So until then, take it easy, have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Small Church Media Podcast. The Small Church Media Podcast is a part of Mark Hyde Creative.